The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, most of us only get a glimmer of what's really going on in our universe. We can see it in the amazing structure of the body, the breadth and depth and distance of the starry night, and then the tiniest of amazing structures, such as the atom. But some of our scientists are getting a first-hand look at what's really going on on the quantum level of our existence. And what they have learned about life and our personal power to live it is nothing short of profound. Dr. Bruce Lipton is one of these scientists who has taken his amazing studies to the public, and he is our guest today here to help us explore some of these profundities in ways that are applicable to our daily lives. Dr. Lipton is an internationally recognized authority in bridging science and spirit. His best-selling book, The Biology of Belief, has transformed the lives of many, and his latest book, Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future and a Way to Get There from Here, is the subject of our discussion today. He's a highly sought-after speaker, having been a guest speaker on dozens of TV and radio shows, as well as a keynote presenter for national conferences. Further, he continues to lecture to conventional and complementary medical professions and lay audiences about leading-edge science and how it dovetails with mind-body medicine and spiritual principles. Dr. Lipton began his scientific career as a cell biologist. His research on muscular dystrophy studies employing cloned human stem cells focused upon the molecular mechanisms controlling cell behavior. An experimental tissue transplantation technique developed by Dr. Lipton and his colleague, Dr. Ed Schultz, and published in the journal Science, was subsequently employed as a novel form of human genetic engineering. In 1982, Dr. Lipton began examining the principles of quantum physics and how they might be integrated into his understanding of the cell's information processing systems. He produced breakthrough studies on the cell membrane, which revealed that the outer layer of the cell was an organic homologue of computer chips, the cell's equivalent to a brain. His research at Stanford University School of Medicine between 1987 and 1992 revealed that the environment operating through the membrane controlled the behavior and physiology of the cell, turning genes on and off. His discoveries, which ran counter to the established scientific view that life is controlled by the genes, presaged one of today's most important fields of study, the science of epigenetics. Two major scientific publications derived from these studies define the molecular pathways connecting the mind and body, and many subsequent papers by other researchers have since validated his concepts and ideas. Dr. Lipton's novel scientific approach transformed his personal life as well. His deepened understanding of cell biology highlighted the mechanisms by which the mind controls bodily functions and implied the existence of an immortal spirit. He applied this science to his personal biology and discovered that physical well-being improved and the quality and character of his daily life was greatly enhanced. 
As he's traveled the world with his award-winning medical school lectures to the public, his keynote and workshop presentations, he's been heartened by anecdotal reports from hundreds of former audience members who have improved their spiritual, physical, and mental well-being by applying these principles he discusses in his lectures. And you, listening audience, are about to hear some of those applicable local and global principles. Dr. Lipton, we are so fortunate to have you here today. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, and it's Bruce, and I so appreciate this opportunity to speak with you, and especially your audience, because uh, this is a, a time of uh, evolution, and uh, uh, it's scary to some, but for some of us, it's really exciting because it bodes a, a, a much more sustainable future we can thrive into. And that's real good news at this point in our life, isn't it? Well, it is, and it's just unfortunate because if we look at the media, uh, I would be afraid myself if I wasn't aware of the fact that this is actually a natural evolutionary stage that we're engaged in right now. I would be afraid of what was going on, but from the new perspective, it's like I get very excited because uh, basically it, this is our opportunity to, to evolve from the crises we have and, and create something much more beautiful on this planet. Right, right. And you talk a lot about that in your book, Spontaneous Evolution. So there's a whole bunch for us to talk about. Let me start here. Yes. Uh, you make it clear in your book that neither the scientific nor the old religious creationist paradigms are going to work any longer, but uh, that they together point the way to some kind of truth. So what is that truth? Well, the, the difference between the, the former civilization, which is really run by the church, and the current civilization, which is run by science, and what I mean by that is um, the way we live our lives, the characteristics of our behavior and, and our intentions and all that, were once shaped by the church. So if we had questions about life, we'd go ask the church how to resolve it. And about uh, 1860 or so, science became uh, our selected truth provider. So when, today we want to know about something uh, in our world. We don't go to the church, but we go to science. And the difference between them is that uh, the church was emphasizing the nature of invisible forces that they called spirit. Uh, that was in, responsible for shaping the physical world we were in. So they were looking at the invisible forces and relatively ignoring the physical planet. That's why there was so much emphasis on, uh, hey, the Earth is just a way station. This is just a practice. This go to that other place. So the, the previous civilization was based on invisible forces. Then science came in. And science tried to understand the world through understanding just the physical realm. So it said, uh, can you understand how the universe operates without invoking spirit and God and forces like that? So science focused on physical things, atoms and molecules and cells and biology as all physical things. And each of these provided some great advantage, but then each of them by themselves was... Uh, actually responsible for a disadvantage because the new science that is now coming in recognizes that you have to understand both the, the physical mechanical world, as conventional science does, but we must bring back into the picture the nature of invisible forces that are influencing and shaping that world. So there's a convergence today of uh, the newest science is actually taking the old physical science and melding it with the uh, uh, older spiritual beliefs and creating something much more holistic and understandable for us to uh, influence the world that we live in. That's powerful. That's very powerful. That's something that I remember when I was a kid, people saying, oh, there's a split between science and religion, and now we're beginning to find a way to put those two together. 
Well, it's interesting because the, the description, you know, you know, as I said, the mention the description of spirit. If I asked a, a religious person, well, tell me what spirit is. Well, by definition, it's a invisible moving forces that uh, shape or alter the physical reality. And and then I go to today's leading edge of science, quantum physicists, and I say, uh, how do you see the world? They say, well, there, there's this thing called the field. Uh, and I said, well, what's the feeling? I said, well, these are these invisible moving forces that influence and shape the physical world. And so basically, uh, quantum physics field is essentially the same definition as spirit. And so it's bringing the old story of spirit and, and, and uh, bringing it together with the, our understanding of the physical realm. And this is our uh, access or stepping stone into a, a more sustainable, positive future. Absolutely. Okay. Well, in order to get to that positive future, one of the things you talk about in the book is punctuated equilibrium, which you mentioned a little while ago. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah. Uh, basically, what I, when I was teaching conventional uh, school and, and conventional awareness, we taught the concept of Darwinian theory. And the Darwinian theory is really what shapes the world that we live in, because uh, it was a postulate of science uh, at a time when science took over as our truth provider. So when we, under, we want to know how do we live in this world, uh, then we come to the story of evolution, as Darwin said. And that was a belief that evolution was really just very slow, imperceptible changes in species that occur over millions of years, so gradually you can't see it, and that you go from A species to B species over time. And the theory also emphasized the nature that life was a struggle for our survival. And so we talk about the nature of evolution as being driven by competition. Uh, so we bought into that, and then we look around in our world today and go, yeah, it looks pretty dark winning out here. Uh, you know, we're all uh, in this competition to survive and et cetera. Uh, and yet it turns out a new insights to evolution reveal that that whole concept was totally uh, incorrect, that evolution wasn't just a slow, gradual, imperceptible process, that evolution uh, reaches a certain point and then something happens in the world, something happens in the environment, causes a great upheaval. And then from that upheaval, the leftover pieces of life reorganize, restructure themselves and create uh, uh, new forms of life. So basically what it says is that Evolution goes like a static periods for a period of time, and then there's a, an abrupt change, and then something happens, and new evolution occurs very, very quickly. So the concept of, oh, you know, evolution is going to take us a million years to go someplace, turns out evolution goes up to a point and can change virtually instantaneously. Uh, and this is work by uh, Stephen Jay Gould um, uh, on what they call punctuated equilibrium. They found, for example that during the history of life on this planet, evolution seemed to be going along at a slow, steady clip, and all of a sudden, five times in the history, uh, the environment was shaken up. And it essentially wiped out all life, and, and whatever the pieces were that were left over started it all over again. So they talk about what is called punctuated equilibrium, where everything is in balance and equilibrium, then there's a punctuation. And the previous punctuations have been um, things like comets or asteroids that hit the planet, upset the environment, throw it out of balance, causing massive loss of life, and then a reorganization and a new evolution. And the five previous uh, times that we've been through these so-called mass extinctions, science has recognized their sources were things like uh, asteroids or comets or something like that hitting the Earth. 
science has now revealed very clearly that the planet is currently in and very deep into, in fact, the sixth mass extinction. That species are being lost at unprecedented rates, that the environment is being upturned and destroyed and uh, reorganizing uh, everything we know about life, and it's accelerating right at this very moment. And uh, the significance about the current uh, extinctions that are occurring is that science has a completely different uh, insight as to the causes, and it's much closer to home, because this time we now recognize that human behavior is upsetting the balance of nature so much that we're just causing uh, environmental cataclysms and upheavals, and they threaten us. And so we must deal with this right now, and I guess after we're going to have a break right now? Yes, we are. Well, so, I'd wa- I just want to fill us, if I could, as soon as the break's over, just finish the last little piece about the current absolutely. mass extinction. Absolutely. Yes, we want to definitely hear about what's going to happen to us today. So we'll be right back <laughs> in just a few minutes with Bruce Lipton. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
are listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you today by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And we're talking today with Dr. Bruce Lipton about his book, Spontaneous Evolution. And just before the break, uh, he was telling us about what's going on with our current situation. He's told us a lot about how we have evolved through various crises to our species, and now we want to hear about what's going on today. Well, interesting, Andrew, as we left off, we were just talking about the fact that although there were five previous mass extinctions, the, the planet is, in, is engaged in the sixth mass extinction, and science has recognized that human behavior is primarily responsible for this extinction. And, and then that leaves us with a, a very interesting thought that uh, uh, I'd like to, to bring forward from Albert Einstein. Uh, Einstein uh, quote that I just love because it's so applicable to this moment is, you cannot solve the problems with the same thinking that created them. And what I mean by that is if we look at the nature of the problems that we're experiencing on this planet, they're reflected in the characteristics and behaviors of our institutions, such as the healthcare institution, the education institution, government, economy, and all this, uh, that these institutions are operating by a set of beliefs that are actually now recognized to be very self-destructive. And so what Einstein's uh, suggestion was is like, well, if you have all these problems and you want to solve them, you can't use the same thinking that actually created them. What that would mean is that in order for us to evolve, the structure would have to disassemble itself and rebuild on a new platform. And as I'm saying that, I'm sure people are looking out the window going, oh, my God, this place is falling apart. Uh, everything's in trouble. It's not working right, and it's scary and all that. And I'm uh, the guy who's in the back jumping up and down with glee. It's falling apart. This is so great because in order for us to survive, we have to change the way we operate on this planet. We have to change our understanding of who we really are in this evolution that we're, we're experiencing right now. And we must get back our self-empowerment. So the institutions that are crashing are actually institutions that are promoting the problem and not helping us get to the resolution. So while a lot of people see fear in the collapse, what I'm trying to get people to understand is, no, this is the most positive sign because it says, in the state of crisis, we will create far better ways of living and dealing with each other and with nature, ways that will not just sustain us, but allow us to thrive on this beautiful planet. So uh, the big uh, caveat is to not get caught in the fear of what's going on, but actually uh, be carried away by the, by the potential of the evolution that is right in front of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Okay, so you've really basically, you talk in your book about some myths, and you've basically sort of covered only matter matters because you've said that that paradigm's not working for us anymore, and you've covered the idea of the survival of the fittest. What I want to get to is it's in your genes, that myth that we're, what we're doing and saying comes from our genes, so, or not really saying, but what we're doing, how we are, who we are, it comes from our genes. 
Can you tell us about that myth? And, and yeah, well, it's very important because when we buy this myth, uh, and here's the consequences and the, and the experiences that we see on this planet, we buy into the current myth of science about uh, genetics. We buy into the myth of victimization and irresponsibility, mm-hmm. meaning very simply this. We give people a message that genes control the traits of your life, not just your physical traits, but your emotions and your behavior. So in some sense, you are pre-programmed by your genes. And then we also teach, well, but, you know, as far as we know, you don't pick the genes. They're just a result of assembly by accident of sperm and egg chromosomes, and they come together, and there you are. So we didn't pick the genes. And if we don't like our traits and we don't like the genes that we came with, we can't do anything about it. So what is science telling us? Well, the first thing they tell us, you're controlled by genes, but you didn't pick the genes. You can't change the genes, and therefore you become a victim of your heredity. And when you buy the nature of victim, then that's the two big problems that happen. When you acknowledge I'm a victim, then what you're saying is I have no control. And if I have no control, then I have no responsibility for what goes on here because uh, I'm just a victim being blown around by whatever is going on. So we, we lose personal responsibility as a necessary way of life. Secondly... When you buy yourself as a victim, what you're saying is, well, things are out of control, and I have no control over my own life. Therefore, unconsciously, we are seeking rescuers, those other people that will help us because we can't do it ourselves. So when we become victim, we become irresponsible because we can't do anything about it, and we give up responsibility of our own lives to other people, such as the health industry. Yes, you, you must heal me because I, I'm being controlled by genes and I can't do anything about it. So this victimization is a total disempowerment. And the, the new science reveals, in fact, that what we told people about the control by genes and all that is totally misunderstood because we now know that there's a new understanding that genes are, are not self-actualizing, or meaning genes don't make decisions. And yet we always talk about it in our everyday talk, the gene turned on and the gene turned off, as if the genes made these decisions and my life was a consequence of their decisions. There's a new science, which I actually was involved with very early on pioneering, a new science, and it's called epigenetics as compared to what we teach called genetics. Genetics, emphasis, genes, and they control your life. Epigenetics, new science, overrides genetics. Epigenetics is very simply this. The prefix epi, Latin prefix, means above. So when I say epigenetics, it's just literally saying above the genes. So what's the new science? The new science is genes are blueprints. That's all they are. And blueprints have information, but the question is this. Blueprints don't turn themselves on and off. I mean, if they did, an architect could drive by a building site, throw the building, you know, the blueprints into the lot, just drive away, and hopefully come back in a few months and the building will be there because the genes built the building. We essentially say that story about us. Oh, the genes got into the sperm and egg, and there all of a sudden they built you and they you know, contributed to your life. But the truth is, Blueprints don't have an on or an off, and they don't have an awareness. They're just information. We now know that the mind and our perception of the reality is like a contractor 
that selects the blueprints and modifies the blueprints, that we change our genetic readout every day based on how we respond to the world. And we can modify the readout of the genes. Uh, here's a number that always mind-boggles me, and it goes like this. The way we respond to the world via our perceptions, we can alter our genetic readout to this extent, that every gene in our body can be modified to create over 30,000 different products from the same blueprint just by changing our perceptions. And when you recognize what that means, it says, oh, my God, the genes don't control us. We select the genes and we modify the genes by how we respond to the world, how we perceive the world, what we believe about the world. And all of a sudden it says, well, wait, when I was talking genetic control, I was a victim because genes made these decisions. But the new science is called epigenetic control. It says my mind controls these genes. And then all of a sudden you go from victim to master. For what reason? Because we can change our minds. We can change our perceptions. And when we do, we change our genetics. I mean, to give you a profound example, many people are familiar with something called spontaneous remission. Here's an individual that is declared terminally ill by the medical profession, and everyone around thinks this person's going to die, and then some miraculous event. <laughs> All of a sudden, this person is healed, and we call this a spontaneous remission. And what's interesting about it, well, what was the common underlying factor for spontaneous remissions? And the answer is a profound change of belief or perception about the world. And so it's just a demonstration that says, you could be right at the edge of death, but if you can profoundly change your belief, you can change your biology instantaneously and recover. So we can look at the world and look at it as a living organism, and as the media is trying to tell us, it's in a very serious stage of decay and maybe even being terminal and extinction. And what I'm trying to suggest through our understanding of current science is, if we change our beliefs, we change our perceptions, the world can have a spontaneous remission just in the same way that a human can. So a spontaneous evolution is, is, is right in front of our face right now. Wow. That's very cool. Well, so, it is. <laughs> go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Well, it's cool because, again, it says we could sit here as victims and go, oh, woe with us, the world's dying, oh. Or we could turn it over and say, wait. Change the way we're thinking. Change the way we respond to each other. Know that we're more than just these physical things. Invoke the nature of consciousness as a very powerful force in shaping the world. And then use that consciousness coherently and effectively. And that is the power that we have that we can change this world virtually overnight. And we're going to be asked to do so because it's coming to a time of choice right now. Yes, it is. And the evidence of that is? <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, apparent collapse of everything yeah, around exactly. us and the uh, fact that science says, well, yeah, we're, we're going extinct. And so the issue is if we don't change what we do, we already know where it's going. We're going extinct. So all of a sudden, I said, well, then how are you going to get out of this? Well, since science has recognized that human behavior is responsible for the problem, then it's human behavior that has to be altered to resolve the problem. So that's why we're being confronted with we must change the way we treat each other and nature because we've treated nature as this thing we can just keep pillaging and, and raping and, 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 and just taking and extracting. And now 
all that uh, devastation that we have caused because we didn't know uh, how to create balance and harmony is coming back in our face as uh, a reflection of our own extinction. Right, right. So what we need to do is, and that you use that very well, coherently and effectively use consciousness, and I want to talk about that some more later. Um, we have just a few more minutes before the break, but I want to touch on the idea, the myth that you present in your book as evolution is random. Well, we're going to have to do that right after the break. So let's <laughs> oh, come back to that again. question right after the break. <laughs> we're talking today with Dr. Bruce Lipton about spontaneous evolution. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. The self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back and so excited today to be able to talk with Dr. Bruce Lipton about spontaneous evolution. And we were talking last uh, at the last segment about how our genes are not in control and we're not a victim of our heredity. And now I want to ask about the other myth, which is evolution is random. So can you tell us about that idea? When we buy into a belief, uh, a Darwinian theory, that um, genetic mutations are just random events, what they mean by that is you can't predict them. They're just accidents, and you don't know what they're going to turn out to be. Uh, mutations occur, and, and then we just experience them. So if you use that as the premise of how all the different life forms got here, then if you're asked the question, then uh, why are we here? The answer would be, well, Jesus, it was a, an accident of genetic mutations. It was like uh, shaking dice and whatever number showed up, that's what you got. And so if you understand life from that way, then the first thing you say, well, then what's our purpose for being here? And you say, well, look, if we got here by accident, then by definition, there was no purpose for being here. It was just an accident. So we bought into a random evolution believe that we're just accidents on this planet, and uh, hey, while you're here, make the best of it and do whatever you need to do. And in that process, uh, we've been disconnected from nature because we think like nature just happened to be there and we evolved into it. The new science, profoundly different understanding, says, no, no, uh, indeed there are random mutations, but that's not what really shapes our evolution. There's more of something called an adaptive mutation, mutations that allow the organism to fit more harmoniously into the environment. And so basically what we now know is this, that the organisms and species on this planet evolved to, to bring harmony and balance to the environment. So it's like if you bring in one organism into, envir- into a pristine environment, brand new, you bring a new organism in, well, that organism in living there is going to eat the food and leave waste behind and upset the environment. So what nature does is if it brings in one organism to bring in harmony and eventually that organism leads to disharmony, it evolves another organism and brings it in to bring harmony. So evolution is like bringing one organism in to balance the other organism up a whole scale. I think there was an old fictional story, I think it was called Bremontown Rats, where the fictional story is these rats come into this town and they're run over by rats, so somebody says, oh, get all the cats. And so they bring in thousands of cats into the town. So the cats now take care of the rats, but now the town's with all these thousands and thousands of cats. So they bring in dogs, get rid of the cats. And so you know, that's actually a story like evolution. So relevance to us, we didn't get here by accident or chance. We got here because it was a process of creating more harmony and balance into the environment. So our evolution wasn't disconnected from the environment. It was driven by the environment and driven by harmony. Now, Older cultures, such as the American Indians, uh, animists, people like the Druids in Europe, for example, uh, these are uh, civilizations that were based on understanding we were here to tend a garden. They saw the planet as a garden, and our role was to bring harmony and tend to that garden. Well, that is actually the closest alignment to what evolution was all about. But over time, we bought into the Darwinian belief that we're here by accident and that, hey, Take advantage of it. You can have anything you want. You, you like those redwood trees? Cut them all down. <laughs> you, you like the buffalo? Kill all of them. And it's like, wait a minute. We are so completely off track. Uh, 
that unbeknownst to us, we have undermined the, uh, the environment that provided for our existence. And so as the environment starts to crash, and we're at the top level of this thing, it, we are falling in a crash right now because if we destroy the environment that provided for us, then we cannot sustain ourselves. This is the lesson of the crises in climate change and uh, the problem with food, uh, growing it, and the contaminations, and all these other things. So it's like a wake-up call that says, we're not separate from this environment. We're here, just as the Native Americans said, we're here to tend to this environment, and we must change our approach to nature and start helping it and harmonizing with it, rather than perceiving that it's just here for us to destroy, because that is destroying ourselves. So that's, that's the third of the uh, myths that we've been living by, but these myths, when we live by them, are destructive because they're not in harmony. That's right. That's right. You say in your book, uh, it's a quote, you, our universe is not hierarchical and linear. It's relational and fractal. First, I want to know what you mean by fractal, and then I want, you, I want to know what you mean by that whole sentence. Okay. Um, fract- fractals uh, are a new math call. It's a geometry. And then you say, well, what's well, geometry? Well, this is very simple, but uh, basically... Geometry is the mathematics of how you put physical structure into space. And the significance about it is most of us learn geometry in school very early. I mean, we learn things about, like, uh, you're putting objects on graph paper, like cones and spheres and cubes and seeing how three-dimensional structure can be plotted on paper. Math is required to understand geometry. In fact, I think it was uh, Plato that said uh, uh Geometry was created before nature uh, because nature is structure in space. Well, the geometry that we learned in school is called Euclidean geometry. That's the, the cubes and triangles and spheres and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's very interesting is, well, it's a wonderful geometry, and we created our buildings and highways and infrastructure using this geometry. That geometry is not nature. Uh, I'll give you an example. I say create uh, nature using that geometry. It, it was interesting because when we were five years old, we essentially did that in kindergarten. Made a tree. What was it? It was a cylinder with a ball on the top. <laughs> and, uh, well, that was good in kindergarten. It never really related to nature. Since then, in the 1980s, a new geometry was understood. It's called fractal geometry. And it's a very interesting geometry uh, because uh, using this mathematics, I can put a number into a computer and it will create a fern or it will create a snail or create life forms. I can put a number into a computer and it will automatically, with that number and mathematics and fractals, create a landscape with mountains and clouds. And basically says, oh, my God, nature is built on the geometry called fractal geometry, not the one that we learned in school. And then you say, well, that's very interesting. We now have a better understanding, but then here's the fun part. Fractal geometry is based on using an equation where you solve the equation, take the answer from the equation, feed it back in and into the equation, and then solve it again. And when you get the new answer, you take that one, feed it back in the equation, and solve it again. So it goes on and repeats and repeats and repeats. Well, there's a little side effect of this mathematics, and this is what's critical, is that the images in geometry, a fractal geometry, repeat themselves in a very similar fashion at any level of the organization. So if you create a much bigger picture, it'll have images that repeat something that was on a, on a smaller scale. 
And, and, and why I want to just bring that up, because if you're not familiar with the geometry, you are familiar with an old spiritual assessment that said, as above, so below. And why was that relevant? Because as above, so below is a mathematical reality in fractals. That's what the fractals say. And then why is that relevant to us? Because, well, if nature is built on a fractal geometry, then it says the structures in nature repeat themselves in a self-similar fashion at any level. And then you say, yeah, but what does that mean? It says, well, if you want to understand the world, you could just understand one level. And if you understand how that one level works, you can apply the principles to any other level because the principles are repeated. So in our work, uh, the important part of the book that I talk about biology belief is, we see ourselves as single entities, but that's not true. A human body is comprised of 50 trillion cells. It's the cells that are the living entity. A human is a community of living entities. And, and then in the Biology of Belief book, what it really talks about is, if you understand the cell, then you recognize this. A cell has all the functions that a human has in it. Generally, all cells have every function in a human. So everything that you look at the human body, respiration, digestion, excretion, nervous system, reproduction system, even immune system, they're already present in the individual cells. And you say, so what? And I go, if it's fractal, then that means if you understand how the cell works, you understand how the human works. And it turns out that's true, and that's why... We do cell research to understand human biology. But then the fractal repeats, and it says, if you understand how a human works as a community of cells, then you understand the principles of something called humanity. Humanity is a superorganism where every individual human, uh, Andrea, you, me, every listener out there, we are the equivalent of cells in a larger living thing called humanity. This is what we're waking up to find principle that's important. Well, how does humanity work? And the answer is, well, if humanity is a fractal of a human body, then if you understand how 50 trillion cells create a community and survive and thrive inside a human body, those principles are the same ones that we need for humanity. And this is the fun part. It says, we're going into a future of evolution, but not blindly, not a random evolution we're going into an evolution that has pattern. So if you understand how uh, 50 trillion cells can create harmony in the human body, then you can easily understand how a few billion human cells can get together and create something called humanity. And this is where we are now, the breaking down of individual nations seeing each other as separate and ultimately owning the reality we are all part of one human organism called humanity and each of us as cells influences the rest of humanity and that's what our new teaching is all about we're all part of one giant picture so we're constituent parts of one whole uh, yeah and the images repeat themselves so that's the important part about that is then i don't have to you see if i say evolution is random and you said to me what's happening next i say i don't know but it's fractal, and that means the pattern exists so we can go with a pattern. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Well, we're going to be back for our final segment with Bruce Lipton, and the best part of our, seg- our show is coming up because we're going to find out how this applies to us today. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network. 
I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit aiht.edu. All my love. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, it's sad but true, but this is our final uh, segment with Dr. Bruce Lipton, and uh, so we want to get the most out of this little segment that we can. Um, You said in your book, this is a quote, clearly the current paradigm of scientific materialism is not up to the evolutionary task at hand, nor can going back to religious monotheism, the prior paradigm, take us forward either. We seem to be at a life-threatening impasse in the face of ominous apocalyptic predictions, and here you give us a true definition of the word apocalypse. Can you share that meaning with us? Well, basically, we've bought the definition apocalypse means the end, and we see ourselves like, a, oh, the, the world falls apart in a biblical unfolding, like in Revelations and, and, and hellfire and brimstone, and we, we get very uh, afraid of that concept of apocalypse, and yet apocalypse really means lifting the veil. 
It says that when we come to an apocalypse, uh, we acquire a new awareness, a new insight that takes us completely out of the old way of life that we've been living uh, based on our beliefs and offers us a new vision, a new truth, a new harmony uh, in which we can live into. So apocalypse doesn't turn out to be as negative as we'd like to paint it, and a lot of, of course, commercial people do that because very simply this, this is a simple truth, and it's known by all leaders everywhere, and that is it's much easier to govern people when they're in fear. Uh, and so if I can scare you enough, then I can take the power. And, and so we're being encouraged to be in fear uh, what is called an apocalypse. And, and yet, uh, as the church said, well, when the apocalypse comes, you know, it's sort of the end. It's like, well, no, it's not the end. It's the beginning of something brand new. And it's the end of the old way that has been limiting us. And so it's something we should be welcoming and not be afraid of, although the commercial interests would have us uh, be very afraid. Yet, we're on the doorstep of seeing there are ways of living on this planet that will sustain us, and they are different than okay. the ways that we are behaving today, which are encouraging uh, the, the, the ripping apart of our planet, in fact. Right. So, so okay, let's, let's make this applicable now. Yes. What should we do at this juncture, and how does it apply to your daily li- our daily lives? <laughs> well, the first thing is to let go of the myths that have been limiting us, and uh, we talked about several of them just now. And uh, the idea of why these myths are limiting is because they, they give us beliefs that we are more or less victims of forces outside of our control. And as soon as you buy that as a belief, then it becomes absolutely true. And therefore, we have a problem. Uh, How can we create a world when we are always claiming that we're victims of forces? Because then that means we're powerless. And the truth is, no, we are, from the new science, totally empowered because we are actually creating the world based on our beliefs. So if you don't like this particular world and it's not working right, then the obvious solution is then acquiring new beliefs. Well, this is what's happening right now. Science is coming forward with all these new insights, especially things like epigenetics and the new story on evolution. New beliefs. But what's unique about these beliefs is that these beliefs actually give us the power to create something better and healthier than what we have, including our own personal lives, as well as the nature of the community of human, uh, humans, civilization. And these beliefs are necessary to incorporate, and the first level of that is awareness and knowledge. And, and you say, why? Well, knowledge is power. And what we've really had uh, is a problem of uh, knowing who we are. So our knowledge of who we have been has uh, been distorted by our conventional beliefs and made us powerless and self-sabotaging. The new knowledge of what's in the biology belief, for example, or in spontaneous evolution about how we work is knowledge that is newer information about uh, the operation of our own lives, our mind, and our biology. They're empowering. So knowledge of self translates to self-empowerment, and we're on the verge of acquiring all new knowledge about who we are in this process. And it's really incumbent upon us to start to study and get into this new knowledge because it is knowledge uh, is the power that's going to, to allow us to not just survive, but create uh, that, that Garden of Eden that once existed and put us back into it again. Right, which is where we all want to be, and not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. 
uh, and that's part of the science that, because that, that physical stuff is what science has talked about. The emotional stuff science hasn't talked about because conventionally science knows it exists, but it's, emotions are not physical things; they're they're energies. And so there has been very you know it's been very difficult to look at science with a filter of look for the material stuff. And then you can't find a connection between thought, mind, and emotion, but the new science of quantum physics does, and that's why it's an empowering knowledge to use those invisible forces to our advantage and acknowledge them. Right, right. You know, we think so, when we think in terms of global issues, we tend to think, oh, my God, this is so huge, there's no way I can wrap myself around it. But one of the things we said during the break is, since we are all constituent parts of one whole then we do have impact on each other. And you said, well, I'm not afraid. And, I, and w- the conversation was, well, if you're not afraid and you're a constituent part of the whole, then your lack of fear impacts the rest of us. And so that's part of what I think I hear you saying we can all do for each other and for the planet is to change our own individual beliefs. That's what we have to do. And it's very interesting because there's an old hippie thing about, like, uh, take care of your backyard before you take care of the globe or the earth or whatever it was. And basically what it says is, yes, we could go out there with all the mission and stand up with signs and say, go out there, you guys change the world. And the fact was, no, the world changes by us changing in our own yards, by our, us changing in our own personal lives because we become seeds for a new vision, a new thought. People see people more successful and say, well, how did you do that? I, you know, I want to know what was your secret in all this because we want to all get that to that level. And so basically it says uh, it, it's really the evolution is based on us. It's not an evolution that you're going to sit in your easy chair and it's going to happen. It's an evolution based on our active participation in making change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Lipton, Bruce, thank you so much for being on our show today. You have offered us such a wonderful new paradigm, and I really I know it's impacted me, and it, I, I'm certain it has the audience as well, so thank you. I want to thank you again and your audience, because those are the individuals who are thinking different who are going to contribute to the wonderful evolution in front of us. Absolutely. And tune in again next week. We're going to be talking to Byron Katie about her children's book, Tiger, Tiger, Is It True? So don't miss it. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.